Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, really excited to share this with you. This is the first episode of our new podcast, Gen X, That Was a Thing. Eventually, these episodes will come out monthly and they'll be on their own feed. But the first few are going to drop here on Gen X This Is Why, just so you guys can listen to them and maybe share any feedback that you have with us. Enjoy the show, and as always, thank you so much for your support. Please be advised that Gen X That Was A Thing uses adult language. The only way this could have been creepier is if there was a Chucky doll come to life and ran around <laughs> and killed everyone. I left disturbed and wanting to unadopt my 1983 Cabbage Patch doll. Hi and welcome to Gen X, That Was a Thing the podcast where we talk about cultural touchstones and shit that mattered to us from our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer, born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. We just want to remind everyone that Jenny and I are not investigative reporters. We're just two dorks who like to go down the rabbit hole sometimes, and we try to do so carefully and responsibly. So any major sources that we use in this episode will be listed in our show notes. Yeah, we also try to look for reputable sources, or or no, say we when don't, it's Jen. not reputable. No, no, or say, or, just... or at least, or at least things that we know are not disreputable. How's <laughs> <laughs> that? It's it's really hard to tell. <laughs> I have a lot in here, like, oh, my, I heard from some guy. That doesn't work. Yeah, no, that's not. No, that's okay. hearsay. All right, Jenny. So today's conversation, we are talking about the wildly popular Cabbage Patch Kid dolls. Oh God. And I just have to say, can I just can I just put an aside here or an yes. affront? Front? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it an affront? I want to put an affront here. I just want to say that this is a new format for us, and Amy told me not to prepare anything. Uh-huh. So I have I have an index card prepared, but besides that, I I am going in this blind. So like she's going, she's coming in cold. So how it's going to work is I'll present our major topic, looking for points of discussion where Jenny can weigh in. And then Jenny will end the episode with one of her stupid fucking index cards. Well, and I just, I'm starting to feel like a little bit of a sidekick game, I have to say. But because I had to do no preparation for this, basically, I'm kind of okay with that. Wasn't I your sidekick for like most of your life? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> All right, Jenny. So let's talk about what you remember about Cabbage Patch Dolls. I knew there'd be a quiz. Yes. So, so what do you remember? I remember, I don't even remember how they came on the scene. I think there was a commercial. That hat that was like a cartoon 
that mm-hmm. showed mm-hmm. the concept was these dolls, which were quote unquote babies, were hatched in a cabbage patch. So they they appeared. <laughs> That's out not of, weird at all. They appeared out of a cabbage, which who ever even thought about cabbages before that, right? Or know. ate cabbage. Like I mean, we didn't. I'm sure right. people did, but we didn't. Charlie and, and the Chocolate Factory, they were boiling cabbage and eating I mean, lots it. Lots of lots of people yeah. boil, but we we just it wasn't on our radar, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just say. Grandpa so, Joe never got out of that bed for some cabbage. So these these <laughs> babies appeared in a head of cabbage, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And but you got them, and you got them with the the cool thing about them is that you got them with like an adoption paper, and like they had their own identity, mm-hmm. and they had like mm-hmm. official adoption papers with like a gold seal on them, and they were like unique. Each doll was unique in that way. Yes, which was an interesting production thing to do. Sure, like that hadn't really been done. That I mean. There's, like, certain dolls, right? Like, American dolls. There's, like, a certain type of American doll. But, like, there's not a specific one with a specific name. Like, these were unique dolls, which yes. I thought was pretty interesting. Like, that was a unique concept at that time. So your doll yes. had its name and no other doll had that name. Yes. And that was it. It was a one-off thing. And do you remember the year we got them? I think it was 1984. 80, maybe Christmas 83, going into 84. I want to say it was 83. It was at yeah. the height of the mania. Yeah, I think it was 83 going into, yeah, it was probably uh, December of 93. I asked, Mama, I asked Mom about it, and she said she, first of all, I wanted to include Mom or Dad in this episode just to get a memory from them. Mom remembered nothing about <laughs> Cash I think it. I think it was the year we moved to our house. It was. Okay, so that was December of 93. And I remember very distinctly that we either got them from, well, we probably got them from Santa, but Mm -hmm. I remember Grandma B being involved. She did some back channel thing Mm -hmm. to get them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to get them. But mom told me she remembered our next door neighbor, Bob, being involved. And then he got some through his company and they were exchanging money and dolls out on the middle of the street. There was was companies (laughs) that had back channels for these dolls. yes. And I Real think, weird. I'm assuming we just got the first ones then. Mine was like an older one or a different one somehow. Remember? Of course it was. Mine was like slightly mm-hmm. different. I think Yours it was, was like, better. Special. I don't think it was yeah. better, but it was okay. different. I, like it came from a different source, I feel like. <laughs> Mine was Yours blonde. was bought. Yours was bought from that uh, guy. Mine was bought from the alley. Mine mm-hmm. was Christiana Molina. Mm-hmm. And she had blonde hair, which I wasn't thrilled about. Mm-hmm. She had blonde braids. Mm-hmm. She had like the little and what curls was your and the little bangs. My preemie was Minda Karina. I remember her. So my preemie was Taffia Daria. Mm. And I had a redhead, which I wasn't happy about, <laughs> Valerie Annabelle. Because we like, wanted we, brunettes. We just wanted brunettes. Yeah. Come it's on. so funny because like, kids always want the blonde dolls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Not us. I remember opening presents. Mm-hmm. On Christmas morning, mm-hmm. and putting everything immediately in moving boxes because <laughs> we moved like two days after Christmas for some unknown yes. reason. Yes. So we are going to start in late 1983. Cabbage Patch Mania has taken over the country in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, which is only 20 minutes from us. This all comes to a head, and there's news footage of a department store. Practically overrun by a mob desperate for the soft-faced, yarn-haired dolls 
to put under the tree for their Christmas for their children on Christmas. The store manager, armed with an aluminum baseball bat, is standing on a countertop. <laughs> That's waving, so ladies. <laughs> waving the weapon around and screaming for some semblance of order. He does not get it. Welcome to another holiday shopping season. When the doors opened at this Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania store, the pushing and shoving began. One woman was knocked to the floor and suffered a broken leg. This scene has been repeated in hundreds of stores across the country that advertise the Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh my God. Now this is 1983. This is the peak. This is December 1983 at Boscov's. In Wilkesbury, I had no idea because I think I remember that footage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put I... it in our show notes. It's amazing to watch. <sighs> in 1984, which is the following year, obviously sales of Cabbage Patch dolls grew eight times wow. to 500 million dollars. But I would think that the supply grew by then a little bit because what happened in '83 was they became so popular so quickly, and no one expected it no one expected it so like the scarcity of them was a thing like like Mm -hmm. by the time a year goes by at least they probably had more supply Mm -hmm. well that's what you and i were talking about that movie that takes place in what was it 87 or 86 yeah cabbage patch mania was over by then well i mean they were still very popular but they were still very popular but they were in supply exactly like the first year no one could get them and it was like insane like, people were out of their minds. Like, I remember our parents wheeling and dealing in back alleys. Yes. Our grandpa, yeah. our grandmothers were. <laughs> Grand, Grandma V probably hit someone with a bat to get mm-hmm. some of those dolls. She was badass. Okay. <laughs> so how did we get here? How did we get to this mania? So let's go back to the beginning. If you visit the Cabbage Patch Kids official website, you can read the legend of Xavier Roberts, creator of the Cabbage Patch doll. Wait, is he fictional? No, he's real. He's a real person? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But Jenny, there's a legend, and I'm just going to read you a little bit of it, okay? Is Um, his name really Xavier Roberts? That feels like a fake name. Yep. So from the Cabbage Patch website, from the lore that they claim, okay? Once upon a time, a young boy named Xavier Roberts was playing in the woods near his home in the Appalachian Mountains of North Georgia which is where oh, this is all here born. We go. He was playing and daydreaming when suddenly a curious creature buzzed by his head. It looked like a bunny, but it flew in the air and buzzed like a bee. Xavier decided to try to catch I'm sorry, this, what? <laughs> this little flying puff Is this ball. gizmo? Is this, is this person not questioning what this species is? So he started following it through the woods, and just as he was to capture the bunny bee, it flew straight into a waterfall and disappeared. Xavier was sure that Bunny Bee had drowned, but no, the Bunny Bee flew straight back out and took a spin around Xavier's head, teasing him to follow. The bunny was in the waterfall gambling on the Zelda game. <laughs> yes, he was. He knew about the secret gambling spot behind the waterfall. So I'm going to skip chapter two because that's boring. Chapter three is the Bunny Bee led the way and Xavier followed. He stopped to inspect some crystals he found. And the bunny bee would come back and just keep moving him deeper into the cave. Maybe this cave is actually a tunnel, he thought, and he wondered where it would lead. The end of the tunnel finally appeared, and the opening was covered with kudzu vines, so you couldn't see what was on the other side. 
Xavier. Does this, get, does this kid get abducted? Xavier, a child, took out his pocket knife. Of course. <laughs> and cut away some of the vines. Amazing. Bunny bees were flying all around. And basically he found cabbages with weird, creepy heads growing out of them. He found the Cabbage Patch dolls. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, in reality... So wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. You can't just tell this story <laughs> and ask the question. I need time to digest this. So, is this, like, the the funny story we tell about how Cabbage Patch Kids got started? Or is, does someone think this is real? <laughs> I hope that this is a legend designed for young children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a storybook. Yes. Okay. Yes. This okay. isn't like this is how Cabbage Patch Kids got created, right? Correct. Okay. So in reality, Jane, the story of how Cabbage Patch dolls came to life is much grittier and much more salacious. Is that salacious? The story's going to be. It's going to be. Okay. So Jenny, when you think of Xavier Roberts, the father of the Cabbage Patch dolls, what do you think he might look like? Um, I picture him looking like Willy Wonka. Okay, I'm going to send you a picture, and I want you to react on the air and describe what you see. Like, that's what I picture him looking like. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, my God. He looks like a country singer. <laughs> he looks like Garth Brooks. He could be Garth Brooks. Like, he, I, I what think, the hell? I think you've nailed him. What is this picture? This is the cover of Atlanta Weekly. And describe what is on there. Is that a Darth Vader st- statue in the background? I don't know what that is. So what I see, what I think I see, is a man who looks like Garth Brooks with a cowboy hat on, cowboy boots, and ugly corduroys, sitting on the ugliest bed spread mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then on that bed, there's some throw pillows. One looks like a naked man, but I think it's a cat. One looks like a gigantic penis. That's the, that I was trying to not say that, but okay. yeah, but I think it's a cat mm-hmm. and he has a bunch of Cabbage Patch dolls on his lap mm-hmm. 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 and like in the background, the room's not cleaned up. There's like some stuff laying around and mm-hmm. it's on the cover of a fucking magazine. So mm-hmm. like if you're not going to clean your room to put it on a magazine, who took this picture? I have no idea. Ask somebody who used to shoot pictures for Savannah Weekly, or no, it wasn't Savannah Weekly. It was Savannah, I forget. It was the Savannah version of Atlanta Weekly, ironically. Mm-hmm. And I used to Savannah, connect Savannah, something like that. I used to do a lot of event shooting for them. But as somebody who shot for magazines, what the hell? You got to at least hell, clean man? up the room. Like, what, what are hell? you doing? Mm-hmm. So, Jenny, that's Xavier Roberts, and he was born in 1955 in Cleveland, Georgia. Did not see that coming. Uh-huh. He's like a bro. He's a bro. I He's know. Bro. You did not think that. You thought he I was thought like he was like gentle, some... kind artist. I thought he was some crazy, eccentric, like Elton John type. Yep. Yep. Nope. So not much is known about Xavier's early life, except that his father died in a car crash when he was five, and it seems as a result... That he was raised in an economically disadvantaged home with his five siblings and only their mother. So Xavier was a really good student and a gifted artist. And when it came time to attend college, he attended art school. Now, Jenny, art school is a loose term here. (laughs) Well, uh, because it's produced people like Hitler. It was a junior college much better known for its sports programs (laughs) than its art. So... 
But this was how Roberts talked about himself with an air of inflation. Like, for example, his job. You can tell that by the picture. His job working in a gift shop at a local state park is referred to him by an in, as an internship as a crafts counselor. <laughs> okay, that would be like me saying I was a photo editor when yes. I worked at the one hour photo mat. Yes. Because I threw 100%. out the bad pictures that people took. Yes, 100%. And you're right. It's very obvious from looking at him. <laughs> yes. So it was while he was, quote, an intern as a, like, crafts counselor. A crafts that he, counselor. Like, that's so random. That he traveled to a craft fair in Louisville, Kentucky in 1976. And that is where he met a woman named Martha Nelson. Okay. How come I'm feeling Martha is the power behind all of this? So now we're going to talk about Martha Nelson. So... Like Xavier Roberts, Martha Nelson was an artist. I think she was like a real artist. Unlike Xavier. But he was too. But I think she was a little better at it. So she graduated from the Louisville School of Art. And she considered herself a soft sculpture. And she was soft sculptor. And was quite literally reinventing the doll. She sewed and stitched several soft-filled dolls. And then she sold these dolls at arts and crafts fairs all over Kentucky. And her dolls were called doll babies. And I'm going to send you a picture of these doll babies now. Because this is, these are something. I did a soft sculpture once. We had to do one for sculpture class. You Mm -hmm. had to take something that is normally like very hard Mm -hmm. and sculpt it out of soft materials. Do you remember what mine was? No. It was a pool table. So I did like a soft (laughs) pool table. It was the most ridiculous thing. It took me so long to do it. Okay. All right. Tell everybody what you see with Uh, Martha Nelson and her (laughs) doll babies. I I see. Okay. (laughs) I might say a lot of inappropriate things. I see. They're scary, right? Dolls that look like. Do you remember American Horror Story Freak Show? Yes. Like that guy that has his his eyes are too close together yes it's like a birth defect yes that's what i see like bird-like features although i have to i'm am impressed at the gender neutrality that she was laying down in the 70s here so it's interesting because we'll talk about that later but there's a whole queer theory around yeah because these are clearly not Mm -hmm. specific gender specific like definitely not and it seems intentional yep but can you see an early resemblance to a cabbage patch yes. doll? Very okay. early, very early, okay. very raw. Yes. Yep. So the the interesting thing about these dolls is they came with an adoption certificate. Oh, which and you that signed. is the genius idea. Yes. That is the genius part of the whole idea. Yep. The dolls also came with a packet of important papers in which they, they would tell you their name and their hobbies. Mm, yeah, we had that. Yeah. Yep. So people just went crazy over these dolls. Like grown men and women bought them, had them in their homes and offices. I don't know how I feel about this. Like there's a weird. Well, it's like the Beanie Baby thing. Yes. It's very similar to that. Okay. Except these are like doll dolls, which makes it weird. It makes it weird. So in 1976, when Xavier Roberts and Martha Nelson crossed paths... Xavier Roberts is as smitten with these dolls as everyone else. And he just freaks out over them and asks her, he's working at a state park in Georgia now, can he bring a few back to the gift shop 
to sell for her. The thing that blows my mind about this is like in the 70s, like there was all kinds of cool dolls out. Like it's not like we only had Raggedy Ann and Hobby Holly Hobby. I know. You know what I mean? Like there was realistic looking dolls. There was like, I feel like there wasn't a void of like interesting dolls. Mm -mm. So like, why did these become such a thing? I think I'm telling you, it's the individual uniqueness in the adoption paper thing. Yeah, you're probably right. So Martha Nelson agrees to this. She thinks it's going to open up these dolls to like a new market. So they begin a very brief arrangement where she's supplying him with dolls and he's selling them in the state park gift shop. Okay. Now, I watched a Vice documentary about this, and I highly recommend it. It's really great. And on it, one dude who is Martha's friend is so pissed to this day (laughs) about Xavier Roberts clearly fucking over Martha in this arrangement that he will only call them cabbage trash dolls. And he won't even say Xavier Roberts' name. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then I wrote, could this be the inspiration for Garbage Meal Kit? Okay. (laughs) Side note, Jenny. Also in the documentary, one weird couple has hundreds of these dolls. Oh, you know there was going to be some. They act like they're real and they walk around and talk to them. And I looked this up and it's an actual psychosis, which is called delusional companion syndrome. Oh. Yeah. Is that the same as imaginary friend or is it... it No, it's assigning consciousness to inanimate objects. So Xavier Roberts essentially designs, he's just going to steal the design of the doll babies and begins making dolls of his own and he calls them little people. Oh boy. Going to send one of these little people to you, Jenny, and let's see what you think here. I see a Cabbage Patch Kid. You see a Cabbage Patch Kid. What do you see next to them? A birth certificate, Mm -hmm. adoption papers. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that is the money idea that he stole. Like, mm-hmm. the design is definitely derivative. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can argue it's different enough, maybe. It's derivative more than ripping it off directly. Yes. But that idea of the adoption paper and the birth certificate, which is the thing that I think was the real value mm-hmm. here, he should just rip that off directly. Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that. Okay. So Xavier sells them in the gift shop, but also all around Appalachia at these fair, like these craft fairs, which I guess are big things. If you have one of these little people, man, they got to be worth a lot of money. So they are still around, some of them in existence, and they sell for up to $1,000. That's it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they'd be worth a fortune. So little people are a big hit. And in 1978, Roberts, together with a handful of friends formed the original Appalachian Artworks Incorporated Company. Okay. Next, they renovate an old building in Cleveland, Georgia, and they turn it into a shop and a birthplace for these dolls. Getting creepy. Mm-hmm. Here we go. We're going down. <laughs> it's getting so, creepy. Local seamstresses were hired and trained to create and customize the dolls, and Babyland General Hospital was born. The birth and adoption center became an almost overnight success, gaining attention from news publications and taking on more employees as demand grew. And I wrote that I think this is very reminiscent of American Girl dolls. Remember, I never did this with my kids, but I've seen it on Facebook and stuff like people take their kids to the nursery in New Mm -hmm. York City. Yep. And they adopt a kid. Yep. I don't know what is our rush to make people mothers, but we do. Oh, I mean, that is... You are literally not even walking yet, and you have a baby doll you're taking care of. Don't even get me on that road. 
Do we yes. want to go down that road? No. Okay. How we're trained from motherhood right when we come out of the womb? Correct. Do you want to get me started on that? Yep. No. I don't want to get <laughs> you started on that. I have, I have a question. Yes. Maybe you know the answer to this. Maybe you don't. So okay. I, I know this is how it, it seems like this is how it initially started, but more out of um, necessity than anything is like our, I know each of the dolls have a unique name. Mm-hmm. Are each of the dolls unique? Yes. E- even in the end? Yes. Wow. Well, I shouldn't say they're completely unique, but there's like a million combinations. Right. There's so many combinations like. yes. that they're rare. Yes. Yep. So they're not like, there's not like six models. Right. Like no, 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 yeah. no. And it could be as simple as a freckle being in a different yep. place. Yep. But there are like a million combinations, which is so something there's... that made them really interesting. Right. So are they, are there any, so there are two alike, but it would be hard to find. Hard to find. Okay. Yeah. So now visiting Babyland General Hospital, Jen, can get real weird. <laughs> and I'm going to read a description of what happens there from Roadside America. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. I couldn't find a date, but like according to the sources that I found, this still happens when you still. visit. Still. Yes. 2021. Yep. Oh, you know where we got to go. <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> All right. Gosh. Ready? As for the whole birth thing, it's the reason that Babyland exists and the high point of any visit. A nurse announces over a loudspeaker, cabbage dilation, all staff on standby. And a small, you have to see Jenny's face, <laughs> and a small crowd gathers around the magic crystal tree. Beneath it are glowing, color-shifting rocks and tubby dolls with their heads sticking out of cabbages, a darker leaf variety than seen in the old baby land. More nutritious, less fun. Some babies are rigged to motion sensors and rise to the whir of hydraulics, revealing their tiny bibs and rompers. How much cute can you take? The doctor listens through a stethoscope, injects some imagicillin into a cabbage, then yanks out a new doll in a halo of camera flashes. It's a girl, he yells, and the doll is turned over to show Xavier Roberts' signature birthmark, and the cabbage-crazed crowd chooses a name suggested by a little girl in the front row, Michelle. The doctor announces, let's give Michelle a big hand, it's her birthday! Then it's off to the recovery room where the little girl lobbies her parents to adopt the newborn bundle of love. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't understand the significance of the crystal tree. <laughs> well, it's funny you should bring up the crystal tree because I have a picture of this. <laughs> this is We Gotta Go There. We Gotta Go There. Where is this? In Georgia? Yep. Jenny. Oh boy. Okay. Babyland General is not only still in operation, it's listed as the third most popular must-see in Cleveland, Georgia. Well, what else? Trip advisor. What, what are the first two? I would put Red Robin before this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they haven't changed this thing a bit. No. Mm-mm. Wow. Super okay. weird. Super weird. It looks like a set from the Magic Garden. late bloomers tend to have more curiosity they tend to have more resilience their stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men what if everything we've been taught is just all wrong what's worth more than this fear right now and that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being listen to deeply personal 
insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yes, it does. Now, this is, do kids even still care about Cabbage Patch Kids? Or is this well, just they, a bunch of like forty-five-year-olds there? I think it's a bunch of forty-five-year-olds, but they're, the the thing is still around. So, um, being a Gen Xer, you know, I love some reviews. So oh, I found yes, some reviews please, on TripAdvisor. One person says, "We must have gone on an off day because the staff acted like they would rather be anywhere else. Even the nurse at the tree doing the birth was lifeless and unenthusiastic. She was a she was a she was a robot." Next review reads, waste of time. Don't bother going. It's so boring. A dump that must have been built by a cabbage head with no brain. Wow. No fun at all. Just a place to go where you could be bored. Okay. Wow. And then we have, well, wow. What can I say? <laughs> I was a child of the 80s and thought this would be a fun, nostalgic stop. After forcing my partner to go, he'd been he'd been previously and hated it. I was truly unprepared for how creepy this place is. <laughs> if childhood nightmares came to life, this place is it. The excessively large concrete cabbage head sculptors, sculptures adorning the lawn should have been a signal to retreat. But determined, <laughs> we proceeded inside where we were greeted by the welcome desk greeter who directed us towards the hospital floor where nurses would help us if needed. Then there was a live birth from the magic crystal tree while we were there. Announced like an actual birth, Mother Cabbage gives birth while a, quote, licensed patch doctor or nurse assists, including cutting the cord. My partner's face when the monotone blank-faced nurse cut the cord was priceless, while everyone <laughs> in the room seemed to think this was business as usual. The only way this could have been creepier is if there was a Chucky doll come to life and ran around <laughs> and killed everyone. I left disturbed and wanting to unadopt my 1983 Cabbage Patch doll. So, but, like, how how Gen X is that whole experience? Like, you think this is going to be this wonderful, like, cool, nostalgic, like, childhood yep. memory, like, like people in the baby boomers 
generation have, right? And yep. then you go to this fucked up thing that's like super <laughs> weird and creepy and you're ultimately disappointed and you're like, everything sucks. Like that's such a Gen X experience. Jenny, even though I read you like some of the worst reviews, I had a hard time finding them. Most are five star. Get most out. are stellar. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of reviews, did I ever tell you about that um that Instagram feed that I follow? I have a recommendation. No, it's called sub sub parks, Ooh. and it's this graphic designer that takes one star reviews of like of uh, public parks, like um like uh what do you call it? national parks, mm-hmm. and makes like a graphic out of it and just uses like a couple quotes from it. Oh, like there's I'll things like Bo- like Boulder State Park is like it's all rocks. <laughs> it's I'll have to I'll have to look at it's that. It's called Sub Parks. It's on Instagram. It is the funniest thing ever. But it kind of reminds me of those reviews. Like they're like. Yeah. Why is this place so quiet? There's only trees and it's like something National Forest. (laughs) I love reviews. I think the whole trolling review thing really went viral and and took off a few years ago when they had the Bic pens for women. Do you remember that? And they were pink and people just went bananas on the reviews for it. It was really great. Okay. Do they they cost a dollar more a pack? Probably. Yeah. All right, Jenny, so back to our story. So the Little People dolls are a huge hit. Xavier Roberts starts to get some national attention. He's on the cover of craft magazines. He's being interviewed on local and regional news shows. And he's making a ton of money. In fact, by 1981, he's already a millionaire just by by selling Little People. And he's only 26 at this point. Wow. All right, so where's Martha Nelson Thomas? Because now she got married. Where is she? So in late 1979, she decides to sue Xavier Roberts for copyright infringement and for claiming that the dolls are original in his marketing materials. Okay. Okay. So she would have had a pretty open and shut case, except Jen, she never filed a copyright. And in the and in that time, when did the co- so the copyright? Let me give you a little history of the copyright law. Mm-hmm. The copyright law used to require you to actually file something. As mm-hmm. a copyright. Yeah. So, like, you didn't own the copyright unless you registered it. Later, right. and I'm not sure when that was, I think it was in the 80s, mm-hmm. they passed a law that said you automatically own your copyright. You can require, like, you know what I mean? And, like, you, you can find ways to prove it. Like, if she could prove mm-hmm. that she was selling them at those fairs or she could, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that would be enough to prove she owned the copyright. Yeah. She would still have to pay for all the court fees and everything to to fight the infringement sure if you register your copyright with the government then the government will go after the infringer so okay. that's the benefit of doing it now okay. but there was a time where you didn't own it unless you and that i think it was in the 80s they changed it well she didn't file it so she didn't own it but he did <gasps> so he copied copyright <laughs> his little people dolls maybe i wonder if that had anything to do with changing the law the way i don't know it, yeah so he has, this is important too, he has never denied that her dolls were the inspiration, inspiration. for his dolls. Well, and that, yes. and that's part of the whole copyright thing, right? Especially with like artworks and intellectual properties. Like if you can just prove it's a derivative, like that mm-hmm. it was inspired by or like, mm-hmm. like it really has to be kind of a direct ripoff yes. to like really infringe. You right. Know, if, if, if it's different enough, you're okay. So the judge rules against Martha Nelson Thomas on the copyright issue. He believed there were enough differences mm-hmm. to justify ruling yeah. against her. Which, looking at them, like, you could go either way on that. Mm-hmm. Like, was it inspired by? Of, yeah. 
I mean, the thing she might have been able to get them on, though, is if she had filed, like, a trademark on... Well, she did. On the... Okay. So we're getting there. Okay. (laughs) So she lost the first part of the lawsuit. The second part of the lawsuit involved the marketing materials, Mm -hmm. which is what you're talking about. The adoption certificates, all of that. So by this point, Xavier Roberts just wants this to go away. So he decides to settle out of court with her for a sum that she describes as very satisfactory. And that was it. She goes her own way and he goes his own way. So they didn't reach a judge on whether he ripped off the trademark of the marketing materials, which he clearly did. Correct. Yeah. She should have let that go to court. She should have waited because in 1982, only three years later, Xavier Roberts licenses the little people to Coleco. Yep. For mass production, and it's a multi-million dollar deal. Like, she would have got a lot more money if she just well, waited. Well, she, she should have, if it went to court, she could have potentially gotten, like, kickbacks from it. Yeah, I mean? Like, she might have gotten yep. a percentage of, the, of yep. whatever he did in the future. Yeah. So Coleco decides to give the dolls a vinyl head for cheaper manufacturing and a new name, the Cabbage well, Patch Dolls. They were dolls. before? Yes. Yeah, we definitely had the vinyl head. And a new name, the Cabbage Patch Kids. Yeah. They find a plant in China to just crank these things out. So they are. They're not originals. No, they are. There's like, I told you, there's like a million So they patterns. are just making little variations yes. on them. Yep. Okay. But they are mass produced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I knew they had to be mass produced mm-hmm. at one point. So importantly, Xavier Roberts maintains the rights to create specialty dolls at Babyland General, which go for a fortune. Oh, okay. smart. That was smart. So now we're back at 1983, the year of the Cabbage Patch Panic. So Coleco <laughs> literally cannot keep up with demand. Well, how did they get so popular, though? Like, what happened? They, they just, just grew in popularity. Like, he was getting a lot of buzz. Mm-hmm. So they just started to grow, and it just kind of caught on. And the shortages cause absolute chaos. And it's one of those things, and we saw this during the pandemic, where it's like, one person is just going to say that there's going to be a shortage. Yep. And then that creates the shortage. Yep. Well, Do you know what I mean? Because it raises the demand. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can imagine one news thing saying, hot toy this year is Cabbage Patch Dolls. Yeah, I mean, and this happens year Saltics. after year after year from yep. that point on. Yep. So people would get wind of a store receiving a shipment of, like, 100 dolls, and they'd line up in the morning to get them. <laughs> can we there just was... discuss that we're in this hell right now with COVID tests? <laughs> we are. We are. <laughs> We are desperately... I've met some girl in a parking lot and bought two COVID tests off her on <laughs> Christmas Eve. I don't, if you guys don't listen to our main feed... Um, Which you should. This is Christmas. This is the day after... Two days after Christmas. I came into Amy's uh, for Christmas from New York and brought COVID with me. And mm-hmm. I've been quarantined since Christmas Eve in a room in Amy's house. <laughs> and it's been it's been a nightmare. In a windowless room in my basement. <laughs> I'm fine with that part. What am I going to see? The beautiful weather we're having? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yes, I'm meeting people in parking lots and shit looking yeah, for COVID tests. That's the state. Yeah. That's the state we're in. So Jenny, there were giveaways in like a fully operating black market. Oh, yeah. Where these dolls yep. went for a hundred bucks or more. I remember radio contests. Yes. Yep. I found an and ad raffles. for... Remember raffles and like bingo yep. and shit? They'd have... I've... I found an ad for a car dealership where you could trade a new Cabbage Patch kit with papers and get $500 off your new car. What? It was crazy. So the following year, 1984, 18 million dolls were sold with gross totaling over $1 billion. That's a lot at that time. That is a lot. 
Cabbage Patch Kids are so popular that one runs for president. Otis Lee. Do you remember him? I remember that. I remember yep. that. Yep. I think I have a picture of him. Let Probably me see. Yes, I do. On a landslide. Probably would have been better off for us. Otis Lee was like Xavier Roberts' best friend. He went everywhere with him. He was photographed with him. Did you get the picture? Oh, my God. This guy is not okay. Okay, I see a doll. Does he have an erection? Oh, my God. Look at his pants. Look at the doll's pants. I see it. I'm not making this shit up. I look see at the, it. Look I at think the picture. it's just poorly positioned pleat what? in his pants. He's got a cowboy. He has an unusually large head and a cowboy hat on and a bolo. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This guy's not all right. This Xavier Roberts guy's not okay. It's not happening. Okay, so um, he is Xavier Roberts' personal assistant and his traveling companion, and he challenges Ronald Reagan in the primary. Spoiler alert, he lost. (laughs) If this were 2022, he'll probably win, so he He might win. Mm -hmm. Christopher Xavier, remember him, goes to space on the U.S. space shuttle. I don't remember him. Why should I remember him? Christopher Xavier. Oh, I remember that name. He was a little, he was a thing. Who, what, what thing was he? <laughs> You're just like, oh, he was a thing. Was what a are you th- talking about? Like, I remember that being a thing, that a Cabbage Patch Kid went to space. And oh, he was like Christopher in a Xavier was a Cabbage Patch Kid. Yes, and he was a okay. little in Jesus an astronaut Christ. suit. Okay, fine. Okay. Whatever. In 1992, the Cabbage Patch Kids are named the official mascot of the U.S. Olympic team and travel to Barcelona. They sound more traveling than half the people I know. Yep. Jen, you might ask, what is Martha Nelson Thomas doing at this point? Oh, (laughs) smashing holes in her wall with a sledgehammer? (laughs) She takes advantage of the shortage in 1983, and she starts making making doll kits, where essentially she sells you the parts of the Cabbage Patch doll. And if you're seamstress, you can sew it together yourself. That is a huge infringement on copyright. The kits are much cheaper and they do okay, but they just don't catch on because people don't know how to fucking sew. Well, and Coleco Mm. could sue the pants off you for that. They're blatant copyright infringement of Xavier Roberts. And he either doesn't notice or just gives her a pass because he doesn't sue her. He's just like, whatever. Yeah. All right. Do you remember when, speaking of like kits and stuff that people made money off of for Cabbage Patch, do you remember Graham made our Cabbage Patch kids all their clothes? Yes. And they were, like, beautiful. And we're like, Graham, you should sell these. And she would not do it. She would just make them for us and our friends. You know Timmy's mother made his Cabbage Patch doll clothes. And she made his Cabbage Patch doll Charlie leather chaps chaps and a vest. (laughs) Why do I I feel like as soon as you said Timmy's Cabbage Patch kid, I'm like, there's a twisted story here. And I forget what it it is. What was his name? Charlie. And leather chaps. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) That explains so much. So, Jen. But Graham made, I mean, they were beautiful clothes. But that was a common thing. She could have made a fortune. She could have made a fortune selling them. And that was a common thing. A lot of grandmothers of our time were seamstresses. Yeah. And they made these clothes. In this area, anyway. And they made tons. And they were beautiful. And, like, they're probably so easy for them to make. 
Graham made like a hundred in a day. And remember, Graham would make coordinating outfits. Oh my god, they're the regular Cabbage Patch doll and then the preemie and the preemie. I mean, they were were amazing. They were amazing. She used to make she used to make Barbie clothes for us too. Yes, she did. Then, guys, once we became teenagers, she started making scrunchies. Yeah, Yeah. remember that? (laughs) She made me dresses too. I designed a couple dresses that she made. There you go. All right, Jim. One of the reasons that Xavier Roberts probably didn't give a fuck about what those doll was kits were. A gazillion dollars. He was so <laughs> rich. He was like, I want to care. Whatever. So you want this, to peel a little off of this? Go ahead. This is from the Chicago Tribune profile in 1985. Okay. So with his 30th birthday still about six months away on Halloween, Xavier Roberts has become what he always wanted to be loaded. Loaded enough, are you ready for this? To build a 90-room mansion for himself in the Georgia Hills. Wow. Surround it with 10,000 tulips and 400 dogwood trees. And then move into two other houses. Loaded enough to fill his garage with three Mercedes, a pair of Jaguars, a Rolls, a Corvette, a BMW, a van, and a Jeep. And loaded enough to land on the list of the 10 most eligible bachelors in the world. Uh, and draw proposals and pro- propositions from smitten women everywhere. Uh, hmm Okay. So, whatever happened to? Yeah, whatever happened okay. to this dude? So, what happened to Xavier, Xavier Roberts? As the popularity, he went insane, because that's what happens when you get that rich. He actually kind of became a recluse. So, as the popularity waned... Um, he tried to recapture the magic with fur skins. Oh, no. Do you remember no, these? I don't, but I don't like the sound of it. Okay, I'm going to send them to you. I don't fur like skins. the sound of it. Just, you know, tell me what you see. <laughs> I thought maybe he became an, enra- an insane, like, serial killer. Because if there's anything The Sims taught us about life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when we got the cheat code to have endless money, and then we built mm-hmm. all the houses and had all the fun building the stuff. Yeah. and. You just kind then, of then we got bored and we're like, you start killing how do we people. kill people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> start putting kids in rooms with stoves and no uh, smoke alarms no and exit. no doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was there was the old pool with no ladder to get out. Yes, drown them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come at us if you have unique ways to kill the Sims. What was, what was your method? <gasps> These are hideous. Okay, Jenny. So, in an article by Jonathan Paletti of Queer Theory, he posits that the fur skins are clearly dressed like sexy gay lumberjacks. Bears. They're bears. They're bears. And they have flannel shirts rolled up over their bellies and the lumberjack boots. They're literally bears. And his... In the, like, he's a bear. Yes. And he writes that Xavier Roberts was always kind of a gay icon and that Cabbage Patch Kids were known for their gender neutrality. Even though their birth certificates clearly stated a gender. Their birth certificates stated a gender but the only thing that was different was their hair yeah from a boy to a girl that's it well it's not like they had private parts so if you removed private parts from infants what else would be different exactly right um the curious place (laughs) i I just said that sentence the curious (laughs) (laughs) if you just took that out of context you'd be like what is going on right now the curious place where he signed his signature was where on the butt. On the bum. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's true. That could have been anywhere. He never married, was never linked with anyone. Mm-hmm. hmm So there, there's this whole underground movement that he's Actually, like a gay would, icon. 
that makes it better to me, I think, because mm-hmm. that's like he has this whole side of himself that he's not revealing to the public. Yes. For whatever reason. I don't know yes. why he can't, but for yes. whatever reason like that. Okay. That's okay. a little less creepy. I so think. he has pretty much faded out of the public eye. Like after the furkins never caught on, furskins <laughs> never caught on. It sounds like foreskin, first of all. It totally does. After that yes. never caught on. He faded out of the public life, and he still lives in Georgia, and wow. he still, from time to time, will make an appearance at Babyland General, but it's very rare. Could you imagine if we went there and he showed up? <laughs> I would die. I would absolutely die. In fact, Jenny, when I was trying to research this, I could not find a current picture of him wow. at all. That's yeah. off the grid. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot. Martha Nelson Thompson, Thomas, I'm sorry, passed away at home surrounded by her family and her dolls in 2013. Oh, wow. Coleco, of course, mismanaged the windfall of profit from <laughs> Cabbage Patch Kids and Shocker. went bankrupt. Ugh. Since then, the dolls have been licensed to Hasbro and others. And in 2001, Xavier Roberts struck a huge deal with Toys R Us and Cabbage Patch Kids were reborn. The dolls are now 20 inches and look more like his original than the Coleco version. And they are found today in many toy stores. Did your kids have them? Yes, they did. They had a preemie. Each of them had a preemie. I think Gen Xers buy them for their kids as a nostalgic thing. Yeah, the kids don't care. Like, it's the same reason I bought my kids the glow worm. Because I had glow worm and I wanted them to have glow worm. But I think it's the reason we had Raggedy Ann dolls. Yeah. From our parents. We didn't care about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So that's the story, Jen, of how a bunch of weird, soft-bodied dolls created by two art students changed the American (laughs) landscape for about three solid years. (laughs) All right. Now we get into your index card. So I did my index card on Garbage Pail Kids. Mm. So I I like the deep, creepy, weird-ass mockery. Of Cabbage Patch Kids, that is Garbage Pail Kids. Of course. So if you don't remember what these are, they were trading cards, essentially, that um, had parody, clear parody, and that's important later, <laughs> of Cabbage Patch Kids. Mm-hmm. So, And they would make them grotesque and like, like just, just super offensive and grotesque. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll say, okay, so although they were best known for their baseball cards, the Topps Company which is the one my grandmother worked for, mm-hmm. which I thought had something to do with why she could get Cabbage Patch Kids, but I don't think so, because this happened later. No. They also had a huge success with bubblegum cards based on popular films and TV shows. So they used to do just, like, a bunch of things about, like, shows. Like, little, like, we had these things all the time, because Grandma all the time. So, like, you just get, like, a pack of cards about gremlins, and it would have, like, the gremlin cards in it. And, like, they were just mm-hmm. showing scenes from the film, and they had a piece of bubblegum. They were really dumb, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then they also had... Like, some funny ones that they would make up. So, to further expand their creative palette, Topps released um, numerous humorous lines, the most popular of which being wacky packages. Like Mad Magazine before them, these stickers showcase parodies of contemporary products and bitingly accurate focus. So, like, it would make fun of things, but they were just, like, one There we go. It's, it's very, very similar to Mad Magazine. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that's, like, the kind of... It's parody, right? Mad Magazine yep. is, like, the ultimate parody. So, it's, like, that sort of um, humor. And they would do, like, one-offs, of, like, making fun of different products and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in the early 80s, the, you know, as we heard, there's no bigger frenzy than the Cabbage Patch Kids. This made them an ideal target for the wacky package treatment. However, the decision at Tops was, let's make them their own thing, because we feel like this is a big thing. So, like, let's okay. make them, which was obviously a great decision. Mm-hmm. Um, 
spearheading the project was the underground comic legend Art Spiegelman. Do you know what his claim to fame is? He sounds really familiar. He's a super famous artist. No, what's his claim to fame? He wrote Mouse. Do you know what Mouse is? Is it a comic strip? It's a comic book. Yeah. It's spelled M-A-U-S. It's about the Holocaust. Yes. yes. And he won a Pulitzer Prize for it. It's the only yep. comic book that's won a, a Pulitzer Prize in 1992. Uh, Raw Comics Anthology contributor Mark Newgarden and artist John Pound were the other part of the main, the original production team. Pound, who was a veteran a painter of fantasy and sci-fi book covers, painted 40 paintings in two months to launch the line. So the reason why... It's the concept of these things, but it was also the quality of the art of them. Like, they were very impressive. They're very like, They well kind of had that, like, painted, like, mad magazine kind of, mm-hmm. like, like really well done, really. And, and, you know, the concepts were really funny and crazy, but they were also really well executed. It wasn't cartoony. It wasn't anything Mm-mm. like that. Not that cartoony is bad, but, like, they, they just had a level of art to them that was, rec- like, that people really responded to. Yeah. So inevitably, there was a trademark infringement <laughs> lawsuit, like almost instantly. Shocker! Because these launched in 1995, so like Cabbage Patch Kids have been rolling. Wait, right? they launched in 1995? No, they didn't. Or, I'm sorry, 1985. Okay, they launched in 1985. <laughs> so um, like, so Cabbage Patch Kids have been like they're in their like they're in the hot. Because I remember days. having these. Like, oh we yeah, loved yep. these. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Tops was sued by right shareholder of Cabbage Patch Kids Original Appalachian Artworks. <laughs> Xavier suing them. Yep. So they end up settling out of court. As a part of the out-of-court settlement, Tops agreed to modify the appearance of the Garbage Pail Kids to remove the resemblance between the characters. And I guess, like, I, I'm taking a guess here. But, like, mm-hmm. if they had things like the way their hands are constructed, or, you know what I mean? They would have to remove things like that. Yeah. Or, like, the, or like the signature on their butt or something. Like, they'd have to remove those kinds of things. Yes. And they changed the logo design to not be so uh, t- closely derivative of the Cabbage yes. Patch. But, like, ultimately, if they had gone to court, it would have probably been a tough case because it, their parody is allowed. Like, parody is not considered a copyright infringement. Right. And these are such clear parody. They're a parody, but they're also, so I'm looking through some images of them, and they do resemble a Cabbage Patch Kid, but not well, you're that probably looking much. Well, you're probably looking at the redone ones. Uh, no, I'm looking at Series 1, 1985. Like, they're clearly a Cabbage Patch doll. Yeah. But, I mean, it could I think also they, I, just be the image of a, a young doll. Do you know honestly, what I mean? Honestly, like, I, I think Tops would have had a chance if they went to court. I really right, because when you think about what Cabbage Patch, like, what makes them what they are is so much more than just what they look yeah. like. Yeah, I think they would have had a chance if they had They would have had a chance. I agree. So the productions of the cards continue, but by 1988, the sales had dwindled and a planned Series 16 was never produced. So there was 15 series created between 1985 and 1998. The top five cards are, of all time, like, what they're worth. Mm-hmm. Number five is Junkie Jeff. He's the one that looks like he's, like, taking garbage out of his head and he's standing in a trash can. <laughs> gross. That's worth $1,000. Um, Schizo Fran and Fran Fran. So a lot of them had two cards and they were exactly the same, except they have different names. Yes. One is Schizo Fran, the other is Fran Fran. They're, they're a two-headed doll. Mm-hmm. And they have 1000 they have a, they're worth $1,000 if you have that in mint condition. Evil Eddie was the vampire B-side to another card. So he's the B of the A. He looks yeah. like a vampire. Yep. $2,200. Adam Bomb is number two. That one I remember. With the, I remember like, that with one. With the explosion going off the mm-hmm. head. 
$4,000. That one's worth. And the number one is Nasty Nick. He's the other vampire one. He was the okay. first one. $7,500. I would think they'd be worth more. I will tell you that Adam Baum, I'm looking at a picture of it. I think he has an Atari controller in his hand. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of... Again, but if it's parody, you can get away with stuff like that. And this is so obviously parody. Like it's... Yeah. Yeah. But maybe not of Atari. That might be an infringement of Atari. Because <laughs> that's not a parody of Atari. Yeah, That's no, a parody no. of Cabbage Patch yeah. Kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today... So what's going on today? So they have, they released all these... So basically, like, they stopped mass producing these 1980 they came back to them a couple times redid them did anniversary editions all this shit they never really caught on at the rate that they did originally but like they're still sort of around today mm-hmm. in april of 2020 tops announced they were celebrating the 35th anniversary by bringing digital collectible garbage pail cards to blockchain i was gonna say are they gonna be nfts <laughs> on may 20 for on may 12th 2020 when we're all sitting in our houses nothing to do all 110,000 cards sold out in 28 hours. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. what's going on in blockchain. Okay. All right, so Jenny. That's, um, that's my history of um, Garbage Pail Kids. I There's also garbage a Garbage Pail. Kids. There's a two-hour Garbage Pail movie. It's called 30 Years of it's... Garbage, The Garbage Pail Kids Story. Guys, it's live action. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the movie. Oh, this is a documentary I'm talking about. Oh, you just said the movie. There's a movie, which is a documentary. Okay. Guys, there's also a movie. There's that a we movie need that's live action. We need I don't know if I can to, watch that. to get our hands on that. Why is that live? Who thought that was a good idea to make that I live action? I can't wait. I can't wait. I know. It's gross. So, Jenny, is this still a thing? Like, can you think of something that kind of has the same effect on society that Cabbage Patch Kids did. So much so that not only was it a phenom, but it kind of sprung off, you know, some other things from it. Beanie Babies like people, was a good one. Beanie Babies was a big one, but I feel like they didn't go through a general shortage. That turned into a weird, like, trying to find a rare one thing. Like, it wasn't like yes. they weren't around. It's yes. not like you couldn't get them. Yes. I mean, besides toilet paper and COVID tests. COVID tests. Test. <laughs> um, I will say that a couple years ago, I was better at supplying things and predicting these type, sorts of things. We did. But a couple years ago, I remember like there's some short term shortages. Like a, yeah. I think I was trying to buy like the PS4 for my kids a couple yeah. years ago and couldn't yeah. find one and, you know, right the now there's switch a, there's during a the shortage. pandemic, you couldn't get it. Right now, there's a shortage of Nike blazers. My children tell me they can't oh, find Amy them got anywhere. This big thing with her kids because <laughs> Amy doesn't understand sneaker culture. I don't. I don't get it. You don't. <laughs> and I got again against my better judgment. I was just gonna give them cash, and I should have for their birthdays. I got no. Did Nike I tell you cards. what we did? No. We sold the Nike gift cards, <laughs> oh so God. now they have the cash. And they can buy the sneakers wherever they want. So Amy tells me, get them Nike gift cards because I want them to spend the money on the sneakers. Makes sense. Fine. Mm -hmm. So I get them Nike gift cards. Well, then they're online. They're looking and then they're like, well, the ones I want are. And Amy's like, I don't understand why the sneakers you want aren't on the Nike site. Like, why are they only available from one place? I'm like, this is a thing. Like this, (laughs) they do like a ten thousand run, and that's it. And then they're like, it's a whole thing. It's such a whole. It's such a whole thing. It's a scarcity thing. I buy like, 
I don't know the the old woman sneakers from TJ Maxx on the clearance rack. Those are my sneakers. What are those, Brooks? Easy Spirits. (laughs) Oh my god, I was close. (laughs) I actually have Skechers on right now, but they're like no, they're New Balance. Sorry, they're just yeah. Okay. So yeah, so this so I don't think that I don't think this can ever be a thing like it was then, just because of how our supply chain is although now right now it's not great but like you know yeah. just just the way we can manufacture and supply things like because amazon exists today yeah. Yeah. i don't think this can happen at, at this level of scarcity yeah i think you're right and i think there's enough variety that if you can't get one dollar you can buy something else that looks like it. yeah i mean this happens a little bit with electronics right mm-hmm like, you couldn't. Remember, I was trying to get the iPhone 13, and you could not get it. But, like, whatever. I put my name on the list, and I got it. Like, it's not Right, because you have deal. an iPhone 12 to hold yeah, you over. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I right. kind of remember when the original one came out, it was a little bit like this. I couldn't get it because it was exclusive to AT&T for a while, and I, mm-hmm. I wasn't on that plan. I was on Verizon because AT&T sucked in our area. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was hard to get for, a while, like, in the beginning. But that was a long, long time ago, too. I mean, that yeah. was 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Jenny, any other final closing thoughts here? Were you surprised by Xavier Roberts? I was very (laughs) surprised. And not in a pleasant, like, oh, wow, kind of way. I don't know. Like, he, he... It seems like there's more to him that meets the eye, though. You do, you do have, the, like, I agree that I had an image of him like a Willy Wonka figure. <laughs> like, yeah, like somebody and he, flamboyant and crazy. Just Like not. a David Bowie. Yeah, just not. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Gen X, That Was a Thing. If you enjoy what you hear, please check out our main podcast, Gen X, This Is Why. On Gen X, This Is Why... We examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. On Gen X This Is Why, we are currently covering Little House on the Prairie, and we also cover 80s movies and some documentaries about the 80s. We also have a Patreon where you can sign up to get additional content. The links to this and all other information that you need to find us is in our show notes or at genxthisiswhy.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. Their stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.